Welcome to the Corner 3 on Studio 41 Radio on 97.1 The Freak and the Mavs YouTube channel, wherever you are in this great wide world, gigantic rock hurtling through space uncontrollably. We thank you for spending part of your Saturday with us here in Studio 41. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Kati Biaba. Kati, what's up? What's up? How's it going? Pretty, pretty <laughs> well. How are you doing? I'm good. Excited to be here. Another Friday. We record this on Friday. I say this every time. You do say like, this every time. We're here on a Friday. <laughs> Breaking the fourth wall <laughs> I 10 do. seconds into the broadcast. <laughs> Gotta be transparent. That's true. Uh, no, we are, uh, we are recording mere hours after the Mavs dismantled the Denver Nuggets. 124-56. to 56. Just an unbelievable game. Calling it. Cannot believe Putting that Dallas is able to win by 68 points. This close to immortality. Isaac Harris is also joining us. Isaac, how the heck are you, man? Well, if the Mavs lose to Denver on Friday night, we know who to blame. It's Bobby. The, okay, it, the, I was going to say, I hope it's not me. <laughs> I was going to say you could like blame the players, Bob, you can blame no. the coach, you can blame the owner, you can blame the GM, no, you, you can blame Mavs Twitter, but no, you're right. blaming me. <laughs> Will that exist? Past, uh, so, uh, right that is a good question. <laughs> uh, for next week's show, will Twitter still be around by yeah. then? Yeah, it'll be around. I have no idea what's going on. I stay, I stay <laughs> off the internet, bro. Right, well, the rest of the first segment, we're going to catch Katya up. Uh, do you know who Elon Musk is? I do. Okay, all right. Then all you right. know half we the story. We have a good first start here. Yeah. We did learn right before this that, um, Katya, you are a Tekken person. Yeah, I am. So, <laughs> I d- I'm just so curious that you go to an arcade place. How did you become, like, an expert in Tekken? No, I used to play, like, against the homies in high school <laughs> <laughs> and i was like really good i don't know i just like figured out how to like mash the buttons in the correct order <laughs> to where people just like kept getting knocked out and then couldn't get back up and then you just keep going at the perfect you, like, time solve the game yeah pr- there's always that like the one play on madden that you can just spam every yeah. time and yeah it always works so like i would basically just like spam it with the same character and then just that's such a random skill when you're at one of those like dumb holiday parties at, for work, and they're like, hey, what's one random skill you have? Oh, that's actually a really this good I've never thought thing. of that. I'm going to use that now and be like, Bobby tried really to talk about chess. And yeah. like, no, <laughs> no, that's not, I'm not skilled at chess. Uh, my co-editor, my final year at the, the college newspaper at UT Dallas, she has, or at least had for a time, the world record for the bar game Tapper. Do you know what wow. that game no, is? No, what's that? You're a bartender, and you, you make drinks for people. Uh, so they're, like, ordering drinks, okay. and you have to get I them a drink a before, they, before they, like, get mad and Okay, leave. okay. Uh, but you also have to catch the, like, the beers are, like, sliding down. Like, the empties are coming back to you. Huh. So you have to fill up drinks, give them to the customers, but then also keep the empties from uh, crashing into the wall. And so she played for more than 24 hours straight <gasps> to win. No yeah. way. Yep. Wow. Yep. Lauren Featherstone, the GOAT. The goat. Yep. Shout out Lauren. Shout out Lauren. Yep. Is she uh, a bartender in real life? No. <laughs> okay. She does have a pilot's license. Oh, that's so dope. that's cool. Her and Rick. Yeah. <laughs> they probably know each other. <laughs> uh, they, they probably know each other. Um. So uh, the Mavs did play basketball this week. Yeah. They did. We're gonna start with the game that was better than the game that was worse, but both games uh, left people a little tense online. And probably in real life, too. I was at both games. I was a little tense in real Were life. Were you? Yeah, especially during the, the Rockets game. Clippers game, not as much. Uh, let's yeah, I texted you during the Clippers game. and, and Yeah, it was all vibes, we were, man. Yeah. I was just I was enjoying my oatmeal raisin cookie. 
and um, sipping on water. I told you. They're, they're good. good. Yeah, they are good. I told you. They're really good. Sipping on oatmeal raisin cookies. No, no, no I was no. sipping on water. Oh, was like, you have oh, to right, listen right. to me when I talk <laughs> to you, Isaac. <laughs> Pay attention to me. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. So the Mavs beat the Clippers. This was on Wednesday night. Tuesday. Tuesday night. Yep, that's wow. also true. Uh, <laughs> it was on Wednesday. If you're living in like Thailand, then they fair played enough, on Wednesday. Fair enough. 103-101. The Mavs led 54-29 to late in the second quarter. But about 16 game minutes later, the Clippers were in the lead. So pretty big turnaround. L.A. led by as many as five points in the fourth quarter. Dallas was able to hang on thanks to some timely, timely clutch shot making by Reggie Bullock and also a, a Luka, a little bit of Luka magic. to Put the Mavs up four with like 30 seconds left or something, and then they, they held on. I think more than the fact, obviously, that the Mavs were able to win, uh, kind of the story of the game was the big turnaround. Yeah. You know, you're up 25. It's a 30-point swing to go from up 25 to down 5 in just about 16 minutes. Yeah. No lead is safe in the NBA. The Mavs are not the only team that blow leads in the NBA. But they have given away a few of them already this season. <laughs> and we're, we're still in mid-November, the, the folks. The season is young. Yeah, so what's yeah. going on, man? I what, what, Let's talk about this game specifically before we talk about the bigger picture. I what say, do you what happened? Start, do you want to start with the good or... Why they won either, or either why, one, they, man. why they gave up that lead. Either one. This could have been a horrible night. If they if they really would have lost this game, it would have been like peak give up lead moments um, for Dallas this season. But Reggie Bullock came through late in this game. You know, he hit four threes. Something I've been looking at recently was is how they're generating these unguarded catch-and-shoot shots that last year went – or let's just look at it this year. Last year for unguarded – or I can't even talk today. Can't even talk. This year, spit I think it out. That's the loudest he's ever <laughs> been. Well, like. <laughs> outside of you giving Spencer Dinwiddie a C, like oh week. yeah, you you came undone <laughs> with, your gra- with your grade. Like <laughs> I've known you for like we're been, we've been like doing stuff for about a year now. <laughs> that was the loudest I think I've ever heard you. Um, I should have backed away from the mic on that one. Sorry, <laughs> e. um, but no, this year unguarded catch and shoot shots. They're twenty fourth in the league in generating those. You look at last year, they were first in the league. And it's like that's a there's a wide gap in that of this year they're generating around 13 a game, last year they're generating around 17 a game, and it shows you a little bit of how teams are defending, defending Luca, defending you know the other guy, other shooters, but I think this is one of the keys to this game because look at three point shot attempts for how they pulled this game off. Dorian finished with 13 in this game. Reggie finished with eight. Um, they hit a combined 11 between those two guys. You said it back last year before the playoff run. You're like, hey, if Dorian and Reggie can shoot it 40% from three or high, like they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals. And they did, like in this room. And so that's always something I'm going to watch is how many three-point attempts can those two guys generate or can the Mavs generate for those guys throughout the game. And it, and it came through late, and it was a huge moment for Reggie. Now, Reggie struggled the very next night back again uh, struggling, but – I thought that was, as far as, like, key to them pulling out this win, it was because Reggie and Dorian were getting those those open lo- looks. Yeah, what I noticed was just in the first half, I mean, I don't know if it was the defense or the Clippers just weren't on, but, like, none of the Clippers players had more than 10 points. Their leading scorer at the end of the first half was uh, Batum with nine points. Batum, seven of seven from three, I think. Or was he eight of eight? 
Oh, I didn't think, I think he, he ended was, seven he was three of three for seven. three at the end of the first. The yeah, uh, seven of seven for the game. Yeah, he, so. He Trey Murphy'd the Mavs. Yeah, and then th- these guys, I was sitting in the stands, and these guys behind us were like, you know, saying stuff. And then one of the friends turns around to the other one. He's like, don't say it too loud because Paul George is going to hear you, and then he's going to go off in the third. I mean, he kind of did, but George ended up with really 10 turnovers. Though. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, no, I, I think the. Offensively, the Clippers in the second half, they shot, what, 70% or something in the second half? It's just, 71%. like, yeah, they were making their shots. Just made everything. They just made everything, whereas in the first half, like, yeah, they shot 71, 72% from the field, yeah. 54% from three, whereas in the first half, they had shot uh, 34% from the field and 33% from three. Yeah, so. just as, just as you know, the Mavs weren't really, in my opinion, influencing the misses too much in the second half, or in the first half, they weren't influencing the makes in the second half. I think the Clippers just got really hot. They did, But what the Clippers did in that game, other than turn it over a lot, thankfully, Paul George committed 10 of them, I think. What the Clippers did in that game was starting around the end of the second quarter, once the Mavs got up 25, they just started sending two guys at Luka all the time. They were blitzing and getting the ball out of his hands. And his scoring slowed down, his turnovers went up, and you're forcing everybody else to beat you. And that could be a good thing if all of your guys on your team are hot. But Tim Hardaway Jr. really struggling. Reggie Bullock really struggling, you know, for the last couple weeks uh, until the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, Dorian was making some shots, but no one else on the team was really doing too much. And so all of a sudden, boom, you give away this lead. And I think the real – Reggie made some shots late, but I think the, the kind of the real story of that game, I guess, was Dwight Powell's playmaking out of those short rolls. Whenever the Clippers were sending to it, Luka – Luca was dumping it off to Dwight, and Dwight was the one that was delivering these assists. He yeah. found Dorian, he found Reggie a couple times, he got fouled uh, once. Yeah, and he ended so, up with five assists. Yeah, that's probably a career high for him, I would imagine. But, um, you know, Luca and Christian Wood, Wood does not really have, he's shown the, the playmaking ability, but he hasn't really shown the ability to playmake out of those specific situations. When it's four on three, you have the ball in kind of this dead zone on the floor, and you have to make a decision fast. You know, he hasn't really, they haven't really figured that out yet. And so Wood didn't play a lot in the second half. It was a lot more Dwight. Um, and Did then he get a, in foul trouble? I don't in think that so. Game? No. I don't okay. think so. Um, I mean, he, his, his minutes weren't limited by fouls. Okay. It was because he, he wasn't as effective when, when you're doubling Luka and kind of amping up the pressure. And so I think that's kind of the next step for his development is can he learn how to be that guy? Like mm-hmm. the short roll, either pass or quickly take my man one-on-one. Like you, you have to really, really make fast decisions. But in, in, in Wood's defense, he's never played on a team with a guy good enough to demand a double team. You know, So like this is a totally well, new thing for him. James Harden was... They played, what, like five games no. together? <laughs> it's like eight, but... Uh, yeah, and, and Harden missed some of those games anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, he's never really been in this situation before. Mm-hmm. And, the, and teams haven't been doubling Luka. They've only started doing yeah. that the last few games. For the most part, they've just been switching. Or if they do, it's in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Not when the Clippers started doing it. Yeah, and so it's kind of a new situation for everybody. So hopefully the next time that a team does that... And, and a lot of the Mavs' blown leads this year have not been because of ball pressure than because of switching and the offense can't score that way this is a new situation for everybody so hopefully as teams do it more wood will get better at it because if you leave wood open or let him you know give him a bunch of space he will torture you but he's just gotta he's gotta learn the the moves you know yeah for sure non-luka mavs uh scored five points in the third quarter not good they gotta figure out something with these third quarters and second halves 
It's weird. They basically saw, swapped quarters because, you know, in the first quarter, Clippers scored 15 points. Third quarter, Mavs scored 15 points. But they pulled out the win. That was the most important thing. We all took a deep breath afterwards and like, all right, that was a win. And everything was fine. For um, less than 24 hours. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, that back-to-back. Um, the starters scored, the non-Lucas scored five points in the third quarter. Well, Luka didn't play against Houston, and that's yeah. about the rate at which they <laughs> scored for part of that game against the Rockets. The Mavs fall 101-92 to the very next night against Houston. No Luka, no Maxi Kleba, who had a very scary fall in that Clippers game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas, without Luka, on the second night of a back-to-back, 12 of 55 from three. That's 21.8%, which is the worst three-point percentage ever by a team that took at least 53s in a game. Wow. The starters, Josh Green slid in the lineup for Luka. The starters combined to shoot eight of 40 from the floor, two for 24. None of the starters hit double digits. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie in particular, three of 18, I think. He really, really struggled. three of 18. But Dorian, Reggie Bullock, all of those guys, their shots were flat. You could tell that they just did not have the juice. They didn't have the legs, uh, which is obviously a huge problem whenever you're trying to play a team that plays fast like Houston. The defense was there. This is another low-scoring game that the Mavs have lost. Normally, when when the Mavs hold opponents around Mm -hmm. 100, they win, like 80, 90% of the time. But they've lost now against the Pelicans in a low-scoring game. They've lost to the Magic in the a low-scoring game. Yeah. Now they lost this low-scoring game. Now this one without Luka, but still, it's a that's a tough <laughs> that's a tough one. That was a tough one. On the percentage of like blame pie, how much do you put this like a schedule loss on this one? Uh ten percent. Okay, good. Yeah, not Mav State Media today. I mean, they were well. They were tired. Now I think blowing a twenty-five point lead to the Clippers really kind of hurt them the next night. Yeah. Because instead yeah. of just chilling out, you know, they had to they had to play. They had to grind. I, I thought Dinwiddie just looked so gassed. I mean, even in the the first like quarter, you could tell like the the form on his shot just was off. His um you know, his legs weren't set on some of the shots and he was just making some like weird decisions. A lot of his shots were flat. But um yeah, I mean, and, and that was a conversation that w- we'll talk about the third ball handler stuff and uh, you know coming up. But that was a conversation coming out of that that Clippers game that I think Jason Kidd was asked post game because both Dinwiddie and Luca logged around forty you know forty one minutes in that Clippers game. Now they turn back around. Luca obviously set out like you said. Dinwiddie has to play again that second night of back to back. You could just tell like he was just shot from the beginning so and he didn't play a lot of back-to-backs last year right no i don't think he played any any yeah so this is kind of new yeah yeah so in hindsight would you have started like him or christian wood over josh green to give a little bit more offensive like punch yes and no because then like who are you bringing off the I know, I know. I don't know. I was just like yeah, looking right. at it and saying, you basically got to choose one of these three guys to be out there by themselves for the most part. And if if you thought Dinwiddie was gonna is gonna be a little tired, do you try to put Tim? Yeah, I don't but know, I mean, you but can't like, count on him being three of eighteen. I know. Yeah, know? I know. I, mean, I don't he's know. He's had such like, a good year. Uh, now you're you deserve a C on your pick after that <laughs> game. But I mean, three of eighteen, and and the. The fatigue really manifested itself in shots at the rim, too. Like, the Mavs took 55 threes. Part of that is because they didn't, didn't get a lot of dribble penetration. But you know, a lot of people were complaining to me about it in particular after the game. Why didn't they go to the basket more? Well, yeah. they did. They shot, like, 30% in the paint because the Rockets blocked 19 shots. Yeah. yeah. And almost all of them were layups or, like, shots from within five feet. And so they did go to the basket. 
But Dinwiddie in particular, you know, was not getting a lot of lift. Like the Rockets, they mm-hmm. got a lot of athletes, yeah. a lot of long guys, a lot of jumpers like KJ Martin, Jalen Green. These guys like walk on trampolines practically. You got to go up strong, and they did not get any separation on these layups. Of all the guys that got minutes for the Rockets on the floor that night, um, every one of them except two had a, a block recorded. Uh, Josh Christopher did not, and then Eric Gordon did not oh, have Eric a block. Gordon. Come on, Eric, play some <laughs> defense, on. man. Stacker. You got to D up. I mean, 19 <laughs> blocks. Now, I will say some of them were a little charitable. Some of them probably should have been steals mm. because the guy's going up for a layup. Yeah, they only had one steal. Yeah, so. and like I feel like if the ball's not above like your shoulders, it shouldn't count as a block. That should be like a strip steal, you know? The jerk. Um, yeah. Yeah. But Christian Wood in particular would kind of like bring the ball low and then sort of like go up. Mm-hmm. Now Houston, those guys have played with him, so maybe they know his moves or whatever because like they did dupe him into a lot of turnovers, a lot of weird situations. Were they were they a little extra motivated maybe Christian Wood? I mean, you saw Jalen Green try and go right at him a few times. I mean, you know. Them, him, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, KJ Martin, they uh they seemed a little little extra amped for some yeah. blocks on Christian Wood in that game. Yeah. So that I think that's enough of that game. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I agree. It was, it was kind of a bummer. But 19 blocks, not to beat a dead horse here, that is the most blocks ever by a Mavs opponent. The previous record was 16. Wow. That was the 19th game that a team has ever blocked at least uh, 14 shots against the Mavs. They are 19-0 and 0 in those games. So, mm-hmm. you know, you erase 14 layups, it's really hard to score points. You know, so the Mavs yeah. couldn't score at the bas- at the rim. They couldn't score from three. Nasty. Now, I compiled a list. Of funny boo-hoo, not funny ha-ha yeah, franchise these are, these records. These are sad. <laughs> incredible graphics. These are sad opponent <laughs> franchise records. Got to read it for the people on we the We tried radio. to get the sad face in there if you're watching on YouTube, but the parentheses <laughs> in this font just look yeah, weird. Yeah, no. It wasn't cute. Yeah, so I'm going to run down a list of, of some sad opponent franchise records here, and I just want to get y'all's opinion. Now, <laughs> the Rockets, again, franchise record, 19 blocks. They have a lot of franchise records against the Mavs including most points ever scored in a game against the Mavs. This happened in the bubble. 153 points. Oh, my. Dang. 153 points. That was the game where, uh, remember, the Mavs had, like, 90 points at halftime or something. I choose not to remember anything about Mavs in the bubble outside of Luka's game winner. It was, like, 85-75, I think, something like that. Uh, this is a really good time for Stathead to go down, actually, oh no. as, as I'm trying to pull these up. Um, but I do remember the Rockets ha- also made the most three-pointers ever against the Mavs. They made 23 wow. three-pointers against the Mavs. That, that was in 2019, February of 2019, uh, after the KP trade, but whenever like nobody was playing for the Mavs, they came in and uh, bombs away. They went for 23 <laughs> straight. 23 threes. Um. How about highest three-point percentage in a game by an opponent? The Rockets against the Mavs, they shot 10 of 22 the other night, nearly 50%, despite having shot 33% or worse in like seven of their previous 10 games. Um, The Atlanta Hawks, this is back in the 90s, all right, whenever nobody shot threes. The Atlanta Hawks shot 19 of 27 against the Mavs. That's like 70% from three. (laughs) Steve Smith hit like 10 threes. Uh, I think that was Jay. Was that was that Steve Smith or was that a Jet? Mookie Blaylock. Let's see if I can get the box score of that game real quick. Uh, maybe Mookie Blaylock. Maybe Mookie. Maybe Mookie Blaylock. Uh, can't pull up the box score again. Basketball Reference 
Sad head is down. Oh. I thought oh that no. Twitter. I thought Twitter was gonna kick the bucket, bite the bullet first, but <laughs> no, it was Stat head. Thanks a lot, Elon. Uh, highest field goal percentage by an opponent. How about the San Antonio Spurs? Shot seventy point seven percent against the Mavs in a game That's in the eighties. That's probably 80s. like all mid-range floaters too. Yep. Like yeah, this is back in the eighties. So this is like Gurman. the Iceman era, I think. Was st- uh, was with the Spurs. These are depressing stats. That's well, why they're funny boo. Funny boo hoo. Not funny ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to get these pages to refresh. It is not cooperating with me. The highest individual plus minus by a player in a game. Oh, you told me this one, so I'm at. Yeah. Now, if I told you that the highest individual plus minus against the Mavs was by Scottie Pippen, you would think, okay, it must have been in a Bulls win, right? Mm. Scottie Pippen. Went plus 42 against the Mavs on March 14th, 2002. While playing for the Blazers. Not playing for the Bulls. Young Zebo. Uh, yeah. Rasheed Wallace. Arvidas Sabonis. Oh, Sabonis. Damon oh, Stoudemire. Wow. A, lot of, uh, a lot of deep cuts. The Mavs would, of course, play the Blazers in the playoffs the following season. Beat them in seven games. To avenge that plus 42. <laughs> Yeah, that's that was the chip on their shoulder. Yeah, so as far as highest individual plus minus goes, Scottie Pippen takes the cake, 42. And then, of course, the most blocks, also by the Rockets, 19 19. block shots. The previous record was just 16 by the Jazz. Blew that one out of the water. So we witness history. But don't worry, we'll celebrate some good... And funny stat lines, including some Mavs ones later. It's not just a it's not just a, a, a dunk contest on the Mavs. Don't worry. We're gonna still celebrate the players. But first, coming up next. Oh, oh boy. Luka Doncic plays chess and the world champion approves. I'm so excited to talk about this with you guys next on the corner three at Studio 41 Radio. Welcome back. To the corner three. You're so excited. I am so excited. You're glowing. I've been looking forward to this for three days. (laughs) Since November 15th. Oh my goodness. All right. So the internet is coming apart. It's just falling apart. Stathead is down. Twitter is next. And on November 15th, for some reason, Mavs Clippers postgame, a reporter, an unnamed reporter, I don't know why uh, your boy Nick Engstadt did not I don't, just out I don't know this reporter's <laughs> identity. But Nick Engstadt tweeted a picture of Luca smiling, just like me right now. Just, <laughs> just so excited. You are beaming. And he yeah. tweeted, quote, A reporter asked Luka Doncic if he'd been paying attention to any of the changes on Twitter. Luca's response, quote, No, I just play chess on my phone. Now, of course, that just made my day. And for those who don't know, we do stream here <laughs> in Studio 41 mm-hmm. on twitch.tv slash Dallas Mavericks. And while in the bubble a couple years ago, our coworker, our colleague, Jason Chopper Chinnick, took a photo of Luca playing a chess game against Mavs team psychologist Don Kalkstein. And I spent a very good amount of time this on stream trying to figure out what the move order was because it looked like Luca had gotten like three or four free moves against DK. I don't know, it was very strange. But anyway, I've heard unconfirmed rumors since then that Luca also plays chess on his phone. So this wasn't the first time that I've heard about it, right? Now, I'm not going to say what app because I don't want to give that company free pub, okay? But I've heard plenty of reports, plenty of rumors. Kind of creepy, you know the app. 
Well, there's only like three that yeah. people use, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty easy to narrow it down. In fact, really, it's only two. Um, so anyway, this excited me. Mm. But what excited me even more was 14 hours later, Nick got a quote tweet from the GOAT. Wow. Okay, wait. It was Nick that got quote tweeted? Yeah. It, yeah. Nick, oh. At Nick Van Exit, Isaac's co-host on Locked Shout On out. Mavs broke the news and got a QRT from Magnus Carlsen. The chess world champion, probably the greatest chess player of all time. If not the best, then the second best behind only Gary Kasparov. Wow. To give you an idea of how good Magnus is at chess, all right? Incredible. He has been the world champion in three different time formats. He's been the classical chess world champion since 2013. He would be like if you combined Wilt, LeBron and MJ all into one because he dominates multiple time formats. He's won like every tournament there is, defended his title in every, like, he is like a singular chess player. Highest rating of all time, 2882 classical rated. Out of what? Well, it's limitless, oh. but it's the highest, it's the highest <laughs> I rating. Got questions. That, it's the highest rating any human has achieved, the highest ELO rating. Okay. 2882. Mm-hmm. Only a few other players have ever even cracked 2800, and Magnus is like, Nearly twenty nine hundred at his peak. Okay, dude is unbelievable. What's yours? Uh, my blitz Elo rating right now, as of the time that we're recording, uh, is like eighteen seventy. Okay, so you're only like a thousand away. Is there like a only ch- chessreference dot com or? Uh, there is. There's chess base. There's several others, <laughs> but <laughs> we can dig into that during the break, Isaac. <laughs> so anyway, very exciting stuff. Uh, maybe Magnus is a Mavs fan. Now I will say. One more Mavs-related chess thing. Hikaru Nakamura, who's one of the best American chess players mm-hmm. of all time and is the, the biggest chess streamer. Katya, you see me watching him. him. I, I, see, uh, I watch his stream all the time. Unbelievable player. One of the 15 or 20 best players of all time, probably. Um, also re- uh, reached higher than 2,800 at his peak. And was also the current Fisher uh, random world champion, too, might I add. His second, meaning like his like chess coach, his... like co-worker the guy that like helps him study and stuff mm-hmm. lives in dallas and is a mavs fan chris, oh, wow. chris littlejohn wow Shout out chris. his current pfp on twitter is of the Ma- like it's the mavs logo like he's like a huge mavs fan Dang. yeah so that's two of the best players ever have a little rooting interest in the mavs now so let's go come I on like mavs it. and chess let's make it happen right isaac if right What's yes. Guys? Yes. Thank you. Yes. What would you say the percentage of people listening in their cars right now know who Magnus is? Well, all of them now. <laughs> <laughs> As of five minutes ago, couldn't tell you. Maybe 10%, 15%. I mean, I'm sure no, a lot of people have probably heard the name yeah. just because. Yeah. Magnus Carlson is like a pretty Magnus, a very memorable name. That's true. Were you I, aware? I saw, I saw one of my friends on, on Twitter retweet or quote tweet magnus's tweet and i guess they're what do you call them doppelgangers they look alike oh and so okay. it's like if my look alike you know respects this and you know i'm all for it wow so like, okay cool. look at that cool. look at that yeah uh for those who think that magnus is just a chess nerd he also <laughs> once was the number one rated fantasy football and by that i mean soccer um he was like the the winner of like an entire uh EPL season of fantasy football. So, like, the dude was like a, he won like a million dollars off it or something. Like, he's like okay. a, wow. Yeah. So, he knows his sports too. So, he knows sports. Yeah. So, if chess people like sports, then sports people should like chess. 
Isaac and Katya you know, and listeners. I, I think I, I like chess. I, I'm not great at it. Uh, I got real frustrated during like the pandemic because I would play against Elton and like I taught him how to play and then he would just like Ooh. beat me all the time. And the I apprentice was like, I'm done. The yeah, 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 100 percent. Yeah, because he thinks like four steps ahead, whereas I'm just like impulsive mm. so it's it just it's you can learn a lot about a person's personality but i also think that translates to luca on the court because he's always thinking oh, what a segue thank Look you at that. thank you <laughs> wow. um it, it's it's totally luca on the court he's thinking three steps ahead he can find that you know option the pass or whatever and like i i just think i think it's it's good to play chess to kind of expand your mind and I think that translates well just in life. Pattern recognition, memorization, yeah. anticipation, thinking ahead. All of these things can carry over into anyone's job, especially if you're yeah. a basketball player. If Magnus attended a Mavs game, would you be okay? Like if you walk past him in the Yeah, tunnel? 100 percent. I mean, I would want to say, like, hey, what's up? Or like I really, you know, think you're great. Is like, he like uh like a I guess what you would call like a celebrity? Like yeah. if he went in somewhere, Europe, yeah. like oh okay. Yeah, chess is chess is huge. In Europe, chess is huge, particularly in India right now. It's like that's like the most popular sport in India. I mean, More cricket, than cricket. Yeah, cricket is okay. still up there too. But uh -huh. India is like popping off. Um, chess is very popular in Russia, of course, and many countries that were formerly Soviet Union. Mm. Uh, chess is super popular in Norway, which is where Magnus is from. In everywhere, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> there's tournaments all over the world. But I mean, yeah, and it's popular in the Netherlands, popular in Germany, France. If you need somebody to take a picture of you and Magnus, let me know. I'd love to take it. Okay. To see you beaming. Magnus, I think, is like 5'8", so I would look like a giant next <laughs> to him. So let's do it. Let's go. Who, who would be the Mavs player that you would say you'd be the most surprised is a chess genius? Honestly, screen. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, maybe Luca. I'm surprised that Luca plays, to be honest. Yeah. I figure that he's like, no, I want to play Fortnite. Kill, kill, kill. Shoot, shoot, no, shoot. I yeah. think he's kind of outgrown that. You think so? I, I do. Like, I, I think that was like 19-year-old. Mm, he's like, moved on to games of taste. He's like, like you see the pace I play with on the floor? I'm going to play the slow pace games yeah. in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really time. To, I'm 23. I'm old. <laughs> it's time to kind of I mean, you know, I dial think he back. obviously still plays video games, but like, I don't think he's as, um, like, I don't know. He mm. used to post them a lot. I don't think he posts as much anymore. Like, I don't, I don't gotcha. know. Gotcha. Well, Luca, if you're out there listening or out there watching, you're welcome to join the show and uh, and talk about video games Let with us. Let us know. And uh, I challenge you to do a chess game. That would break the Twitch stream record oh, yeah. for the Mavs. It would, 100%. 100%. You versus Luca it would, I mean, if Luca played chess on stream, it would probably be the most popular chess stream of all time. Hikaru and XQC got like 50,000 viewers or something, but Luca would I, I remember that. It. Yeah. yeah, I know you do. Pog <laughs> champs. All right. On our stream the other day, this was the day of the Clippers game. I was talking about the big question. Oh, did you? That timing was good. Perfect. Thank you. Thank the you. big question, the ball handler situation, do the Mavs need another one? And if so, what does that guy look like? Right? The Mavs got Luka. They got Spencer Dinwiddie. You got Frank Nilakina, Facundo Campasso, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green, all guys that can kind of handle the ball a little bit, but they're not really like your third ball handler. As in like you're not playing through them or like? Well, that's where the big question is. Oh, Okay. <laughs> What does third ball handler mean? And now I went on a big long Twitter thread the other day about it, cited a bunch of stats, a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of stuff. But basically, here's the gist. 
whenever the Mavs had Luka, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jalen Brunson, which they did only have for like 20 games and then the playoffs, by mm-hmm. the way. So this is like a relatively new thing. Luka's usage rate was still super high, 38%, which is what it was as of the Clippers game. I think it's now like 37.2%. So Luka's usage rate was still sky high. Mm-hmm. So that's what fans are worried about his usage rate. Well, it was still really high whenever Jalen was here. Uh, Luka's time of possession was still really high. His usage rate in the playoffs was pushing 40%, so he was still doing a lot of stuff. Can you can you define usage rate? For yeah, so usage rate, uh, you use a possession if you take a shot, get fouled, or turn the ball over. Okay. Then it, that counts as you using a possession. So if you get an assist, that doesn't count. If you don't do anything, it doesn't count, obviously. Cool. And so Luka uses almost 40%, so almost two out of every five trips down the floor, Luka's either shooting, getting fouled, or turning the ball over, which is really high, highest in the NBA. Has led the NBA in usage, I think, now two years in a row. Okay. Um, and is currently leading the league in usage again. So let's, let's go three-time defending champion here. But you want to bring it down. Now, many fans, I would think, would suspect, like, if you were to replace Jalen Brunson with a guard, that would be your third ball handler. It would lower his usage. Well, it didn't. His usage was just the same. So what I posited was that having Jalen on the team alongside Luke and Spencer was another, like, individual shot creator. Jalen would score in isolation. The Mavs were far and away the mm-hmm. number one team in terms of volume of isolation possessions last season. And they are, again, this season. They isolate a whole bunch. They find right. the mismatch, and they go one-on-one, and they score. They do it whether it's Luka and Dinwiddie, whether it's Luka, Dinwiddie, and Brunson before the trade, whether it was just Luka and Brunson. That's just what they do. That's their offense. And so do they need another guy that can do that? Or, I was wondering, should maybe – the shooters attack closeouts more. The Mavs don't have a lot of guys that drive the lane. They don't have a lot of guys that will put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. Like Reggie Bullock has taken one shot on a drive this season. Wow. Dorian averages one shot off drives every other game. So these the shooters, and I'm not picking on them individually. It's, it's everybody. The shooters aren't really making plays, right? They're mm-hmm. not like attacking closeouts, getting to the rim, either finding the open guy or finishing themselves. Mm -hmm. And so is the best way, in y'all's opinion, to introduce a little more dynamicism into the offense to get another guy like Jalen, or is it to find guys that can take advantage of the space that is created for them by Luka driving and kicking it out or whatever? They can Guys that can do a little more with the ball, or do you want one more guy that can do everything with the ball? I want one more guy. And I think we saw how that unlocked – the team after the Porzingis trade. That's why I was so high on the Porzingis trade when it happened of, all right, we need another guy who can come in here because it was almost like, and this is going to, you know, Kyle Kuzma called the roster limited not too long ago. And like, in a way there is a little truth to that because you, you build a roster with all these parts. I, I made this joke the other night after the Rockets game. Like, yeah, Luca makes all the parts work where you take Luca out of it, and now all these parts are sitting there like, well, like Reggie, Dorian, Maxi, these guys are, for lack of better terms, they're like 3 and D guys. Like, we're mm-hmm. not asking them to drive and create and all this stuff. But if you take away our main creator, our main ball handler in Luca, then we're like, all right, well, how do, how do we all fit together? He, he holds everything together because everything's built around him. So in a way, that's, I feel like that's how we saw this team kind of take that next step when you added – a Spencer Dinwiddie last year, take out Porzingis. Now you have three of those guys. Now you can have, for a lot of the times, you can have two of those guys on the floor at all times instead of when Luca sets out. Now we're like, Dinwiddie, can you play like every minute and hopefully you don't get tired 
And if you're not, they're literally just passing around the arc. I mean, how many times in that Houston game, it just felt like they were just passing around the arc. Nobody's, like, dribbling. And it's, like, Dorian shooting, like, a 32-foot shot. And it's, like, just because, well, we just got to shoot it because we don't have anybody else that can create. So, for me, I, I'm still waiting for – I want them to get that third guy to resemble a little bit of what they did last year post that trade and say, all right, now we have three guys. It's not about – I mean, like you say, it's not about – they get the guy in. Well, now Luca's usage is going to go down a ton and all this stuff. Luca's always going to handle the ball. In the playoffs, he's going to handle it. It's going to go through him at the end of the games. Like, we know all of that. It's just how do we add what you were talking about? And I think the best way to do that is to add that third guy instead of let's swap out some of these other, like, surrounding parts for a trade for maybe a guy or so that can do a little bit more off the dribble. I don't know. But I could hear both sides, though. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I agree with you, I think, for the most part, because I remember us talking uh, after the Porzingis trade last year, and we're like, dang, we're just so spoiled that you have literally, like, two dudes on the floor all the time that can, like, run the court like that. And I think um, that was a big thing into what led them to have so much success in, you know, at the end of the season into the postseason. So I do think like finding a way to kind of replicate replicate that mm -hmm. is really important. Now can they do it with like the pieces that they have now? I don't know. Um and then I don't want to get into tampering and like talking about like other players that could yeah, yeah you know I can. <laughs> you can. Uh Bobby and I cannot. So uh I feel like I'm kinda limited in mm -hmm. what I what I would like to say. Yeah. I think it's like a chicken or egg thing. Did they play so much isolation because they had three guys that were really good in isolation? Or did they get another guy that was really good in isolation because they felt like the players on the, you know, the players on the perimeter that Luca would kick it out to are like what Kyle Kuzma would say or what Kevin Durant alluded to, limited. Yeah. Right? Like if you kick it out to Bullock or Finney Smith or Maxi or even Tim to a degree, Josh Green, Frank Milikina, all these guys. Like you know what they're gonna do. Yeah, all you have to do is close out on them. Yeah. yeah. And so teams this year are staying at home on them. And they're not really worried about getting blown by on the dribble if they're just all up in their business. Yeah. And so the Mavs are getting fewer open threes, like what you just talked about in the last segment. And so it's like, do you just say, okay, yeah. that is what it is, so let's just find more guys that can just destroy people one-on-one, -on -one, or let's find more guys that can attack the closeouts, because if we can do that, all of a sudden you can't get all up in my grill you have to back off at least a little bit to prevent, and then all of a sudden your threes are now a little more open. Or now all of a sudden, if Luca's double team, you can swing it over to this, you know, kind of dynamic wing that yeah. can do something uh, instead of like catch the ball and then, uh, uh, here, Luca, yeah. take it back. Yeah, you know? I think the success would come with like opening up the spacing again, or finding a way to open up the spacing again, and then also having that like option of the guy can also just like drive to the basket and run the ice. Ideally, out. everyone can do that, right? Yeah. Ideally, everyone on the in floor can do that. In a perfect world, <laughs> yeah. yes. But Not many teams have even, like, three guys that can do that or four. Yeah, you know? so, like, I mean, the fact that, like, the Mavericks had three last year, like, we Best got, backcourt we got in the playoffs. real spoiled. Yeah. Best backcourt in the playoffs. For 100%. Like, we as fans got super spoiled just being able to watch that, I think. But it's also, what what is what's easier to add? Is it? I feel like it's easier to find a third ball handler creator than it is to... Uh, by creator, sorry to, sorry to interrupt, but by creator, so like, Facundo Campasso is a creator. He distributes the ball. 
Do you want a yeah. guy that can do that, or do you want a guy that can create his own shot? Because I feel like that's two different things. Oh, yeah, that is yeah. two different Somebody things. Somebody can create his own shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I was saying, yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Dinwiddie, Brunson, Luca. That I feel like you can... We can't... Try not to like mention other names, but right. you know, you go out there and I feel like it's a little bit easier to find another creator guy in that spot mm-hmm. instead of I feel like everybody's looking to improve their three and D guy to a little bit more than a three and D guy. And if you're past Dude, the three and D guy, you're like a an all star for, for the most years. Part. That's what the Mavs were looking for, right? We need three and D. We need three and D. Well, guess what? Like we have a roster of. There's a lot of. Yeah, we got a guys. lot of three and D guys. Now, now I think also the solution is for all your three and D guys to make their threes. Like yeah, you know, Tim I feel like is a not exactly a three and D player, but like Tim, Josh Green, Reggie, they're all struggling the last few games. Yeah. Josh got off this great start, hasn't been the case in the last few games. Finney Smith has I feel like been he's steadying out a little bit, but it was a little up and down for him. Maxi, same thing, kind of struggling the last few yeah. games. And so if all of your three and D guys can make their threes, then you don't need another ball handler because you're just shooting well, but yeah. they're not shooting well. Too many games in like the 20s and low 30s. Yeah, know? yeah, agreed. I mean, you got to make your shots. I mean, that's just fundamental. Mm-hmm. So. And they didn't against Houston, 12 for 55. Now, again, very little dribble penetration in that game. Would it have been nice to get another guy that could get into the paint? Yeah, but they did it a lot. They got blocked 19 times. So, like, you know, it's, it is this chicken and egg thing. Everything is so, like, delicately connected yeah. and interwoven. Yeah. You know, uh, I feel like this is going to be a discussion for probably the rest of the season. But in, but in it, it is. It will be, but it's also because they found so much success with it last year, and now they don't have it. And so I, I, I actually get the discussion for media or for fans of they opted to go that route by making that Porzingis trade to bring in a third ball handler. It worked. They made it to the conference finals, and then they lose Brunson and go into this season, and they don't really add the third guy. And now we're like, you know, kids getting asked about the other night. I was like, well, I got to see more of, I got to see more of Frank and Faku and, you know, before we look at any other options. So I actually understand the pushback or questions, yeah. the, the conversation from fans of like, hey, something worked last year. You went away from it. And now we're just like, we're not going to do that again this year. So is it okay to not do that? So I get it. The other thing is that what does that player look like? Physically speaking, is that player 6'1", like Jalen Brunson was? Do the Mavs want to be a relatively smaller team where you have potentially Jalen and Dinwiddie on the floor at the same time or whatever? I mean, that or, was like peak small ball for yeah, the Mavericks when they, small. Were, when they were playing. Now everyone games. on the roster, everyone that plays on a nightly basis is like 6'5 or taller. You know, like yeah. oftentimes Tim is the shortest player on the floor. He's 6'5". Yeah. I mean, so, I also think Luka's kind of rare there. Like, you know, whenever uh, his rookie year, like Rick started him off when, when they had DSJ like he was like a forward mm. and I was always like dude this guy's a point guard like he's a six seven point guard and yeah like, so do you want to find know? more guys that are that size so that you don't give up size on defense or do you want whoever it is to just be able to handle the ball I mean like, like a six Dragic, three, for six example four like six one Brunson six one like all these guys are t- are smaller you know it feels like the Mavs want length but I don't know it's I don't know I, is it a time know. will tell thing? December 15th is the day that players sign this summer can be traded. February 10th or whatever, February 9th is the trade deadline. So I guess we do have some time yeah. to sort it out. But it is going to be a, probably, for better or worse, it will be the single biggest talking point, I feel like, this season. Yeah. But we'll for find sure. out. We'll find out. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about some other teams, other teams that are maybe doing a little better 
Uh, maybe some fans feel like the Mavs are doing a little worse than expected, while some other teams are doing a little, a lot better yeah. than we expected. And we'll talk about that and a whole lot more coming up next on the Corner Three at Studio Forty One Radio. Hour number two on the Corner Three Studio Forty One Radio. It's Bobby Corella joined by Kati Biaba and Isaac Harris. We've talked a lot about some bad vibes in the first two segments, so it's time to, to liven it up a little bit. Time to look on the bright side. And we're going to start with the few teams that were expected to maybe be very, very, very bad. Now, it's still early in the season. Anything can happen. A whole lot can change. But these three teams in particular are all above 500. They're all pushing for a top six seed in their conference. In fact, some of them are even in sixth place. Let's start with the team that we saw recently that beat the Mavs last week, the Washington Wizards. As of Friday night, they were 8-7, and seven, winning games without Bradley Beal. I think they went on a four- or five-game win streak. KP is looking great for them. Uh, a whole bunch of guys are stepping up. Uh, Jordan Goodwin, which is one of my friend Johnny Oppings' favorite player because he's from St. Louis, Billiken. Wizards look pretty good. KP looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, bearded KP. Bearded KP season, man. I'm bummed that he didn't play in that game against the Mavs. I would have liked to see bearded KP I take the floor. I would have liked to see that, yeah. Yeah, they have, you know, the, obviously when you make the Porzingis trade, you're pairing him with Brad Beal. But then you look at some of their younger guys, too. You know, Kuzma's having a pretty good season, 18 points. He has a player option after this year that he keeps playing like this. Like, There's no way he's probably going to pick it up. It's only for like $13 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a free um, agent for sure. So, yeah, he, he's looking good. I mean, Hachimura had a good game against Dallas the other night. Yeah. You're a big Rui guy, right? I am, I am. I'm, I'm a big, big Rui guy, and... um. You know, I don't think they figured out an extension with him. So they got to figure out, like, where where are they going as a team? Like, they they have these win-now players, but they also have some younger guys, too. Kispert hasn't been healthy. Um, yeah. Johnny Davis was, you know, a lottery pick. He's been playing in the G League some. Um, he was a top-10 pick, right? He was, I think, the 10th pick, yeah. The 10th Ninth pick. or 10th or something. And then, of course, they traded for Monty Morris. And he's like, you like Monty Morris. I am a big Monty Morris fan. Yeah, he's are. been kind of struggling in the starting lineup, but they get Jordan Goodwin, who's a two-way player. Yeah. He's killing it for them without Beal. Yeah, so they were one of, uh, when we sat at this table back before the season, like, hey, confusing teams. They were one of my confusing teams. They're like, what are you trying to do? What are you? And uh, it's working right now, and we'll see. Yeah. What's KP putting up this year? KP's at 21 points. Uh, he's shooting 40% from three, almost Oof. 50% from the field. Uh, 8.2 rebounds, 1.4 blocks. Not bad. So, yeah. Get a little skinnier KB, too. You know, it's he's, the beard. He, well, he talked before <laughs> the season about... He weighs the same. He just The beard kind of <laughs> compensates. It, it is fascinating when you see how players just change their body throughout their career of not just, you know, when like a Tim Duncan as he gets older, he's getting super skinny or something like that. But Shout out Valdi, his mm. trainer. But But it's like, it's wild to think of you know when he was in Dallas just a few years ago, he was sitting in front of us saying, "Man, I'm bulking up. I gotta get stronger down low." And it was like the exact opposite. He's like, "Man, you know, before this season, talking to Washington media, it's like, I, you know, the best playing weight for me is to get skinnier. I'm more agile out on the you know perimeter and stuff." And it's like, it's just wild to see how different coaching staffs, different training staff, different points of your career dictates like kind of where you go with your body. Yeah, and I think too. I mean, he's. Sometimes he is playing center uh, in Washington, 
in Dallas, I think he was probably expected to be the five, but then he was the four and he got big anyway. And then he was like, ah, I can't play with all this weight on me. Yeah. And it didn't make sense too because he was playing four. But then the next season, he was playing five and he was really skinny again. It's like, well, it would be cool to add some weight. So I feel, especially <laughs> for like the tweener bigs, yeah. it's got to be tough. Like, am I guarding Embiid or am I, do I need to close out on Tobias Harris? Like, that's yeah. two totally yeah, different yeah, yeah. frames sure. that you need. Um, how about the Sacramento Kings? The other night they played the Brooklyn Nets, and the Kings are eight and six, by the way. They they have the same record as the Mavs. I was not expecting that, like, whatsoever. They, they against Brooklyn, they allowed 121 points in regulation, and they still won by 30. They put up 153 on Brooklyn. The Mavs, by the way, against Brooklyn, I think they scored what 98 or something. Yeah, I don't think they broke 100. Yeah, yeah. the Kings <laughs> scored 153 on the Nets. Lowering the Nets from, like, eighth in defense all the way to, like, 21st wow. in one wow. game. <laughs> uh, so, I think that 153 points probably had something to do with this. But uh, the Kings are averaging the second most points per game in the league this season, right behind Boston. Wow. And only by uh, a tenth of a point. So, Boston's averaging 120.4 points per game. Sacramento Kings, 120.3 points per game. And then... The Pacers, 117.9. Wow, we'll talk so about the yeah, Pacers that's next. That's our next team that we're yeah, going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, about. Sabonis, Kevin Herter, De'Aaron Fox, of course. Keegan Murray, the rookie. I mean, the Kings just have a lot of guys that can get buckets. Yeah, uh, speaking of that, I mean, they are second in the league in uh, field goal percentage. They are average right behind Denver, which Mavericks play Denver two games. Denver is shooting 50% from the field. Wow. They lead the NBA. Uh, Jokic right, is a cheat code. Yeah, right behind them is the Kings. 49.9% from the field and 38.2 from three. And that 38.2 from three puts them at six in the league. They started, I think, 0-4 or 0-5. And here they are at 8-6. and six. I mean, they are playing some ball. Yeah, you know, a lot of it hinges on De'Aaron Fox. It's like a career year for him so far. Um, you know, like 24, 25 points a game. I think it's career high in assists, career high in field goal percentage so far. Um, maybe even three-point percentage for him. So happy for him. Obviously, an old friend of ours, Harrison Barnes, on that For team, sure. too. Uh, remember when he said he wasn't going to shave until they hit 500 that one season? And oh, he did the Dirk? They, like, never did. Yeah, <laughs> it was a long voyage. Mm. Uh, but, no, like you said, you know, it's anchored by Fox, Sabonis, and these guys. But they've I thought some of their, like, low-key pickups have worked out. Like, Malik Monk had a big night the other night. I think Terrence Davis had a big night for 35 him. against Brooklyn. Off yeah, the wow. Yeah. So, anyway... Um, they're a fun team to watch right now, and I'm happy for their fans. Do you know what the light the beam thing is? I have no idea, but they also gave out Band-Aids at their games. They're doing all sorts of bits. Good. Like, <laughs> I think it's so cool. That, that beam is super cool. Like, I saw someone post a picture from super far away, like, and they and you just see this, like, purple beam just shooting. Yeah, and the, the like, whole arena's chanting it, light the beam. That's pretty light cool. The, it's like a whole thing. It's just coming out of their roof? There's shirts. There's Yeah, it's kind of like the bat signal. Oh, that's pretty sick. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. just a... It's just thin a purple column beam. of purple light going up into space. Yes. That's pretty cool. It's pretty really dope. I'm all in on it. So, uh, yeah, no. Fun oh, they season. have a big button. It, one of their players goes up to it, and everyone's chanting "Light the beam!" Oh, no okay. way! Button, he just smacks. Are you it. serious? That's yeah. cool. <laughs> I don't know if it, it probably doesn't actually light it, but no, that's, but like, that's cool. That's really cool. That's it's like the okay. Sixers. They do the the ring the bell thing yeah. before yeah. the game. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's real. Cool. That's that's really cool. Go Kings! Yeah, enjoy it. I mean. <laughs> they might not. They might not. In, well, I'm saying, 
I'm about to dunk on him. No, enjoy it while you can. I'm saying they might not end up making the playoffs, but you got to enjoy the, the good times when they happen. It's it goes back to the same thing that we always say. Just this is fun. Have fun. Yeah. Be present. Like, yeah, it's just I'm have all fun. about be present. Yes, 100. Um, finally, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, former King, current Pacer, playing for former Mavs coach, Kurt, er, Ma- former Mavs head coach, current Pacer head coach Rick Carlisle. The Pacers. Everyone expected them to go like five and seventy-seven, and yet here they are over five hundred as well. They're playing great basketball. Ben Matherin, oh my god! Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he was their pick, right? Yeah. And like, he was getting like twenty-five a game <laughs> off the bench. He's <laughs> Which unbelievable. Is wild because you know Rick, not typically a guy that yeah. plays, you know, the rooks. So and now he is playing young guys and still winning. <laughs> so Rick, what were you doing you all doing, those years, Rick? man? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you think you think Rick's regretting it right now? He's losing sleep at night, saying, "Man, I should have played some of these young guys." I should have played Roddy. <laughs> played Roddy B. Should have <laughs> given Simba twenty five a game. <laughs> I will say it's it's the Pacers and Jazz that are the most surprising for me because at least the Kings and Wizards they have win now players where they they want to win. They've just been unsuccessful at it. For Utah and Indiana, I just thought they would just not want to win mm. this year, and they're they're winning. So uh, they're fine. I mean, let's see what their rosters look like in a few months. Yeah, Miles Turner's playing out of his mind right now, and of course he's been in every Shams article for like six months now. <laughs> Him and John Collins just looking at each other, Spider-Man meme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, do you just want to do this thing? Like, <laughs> but the cool thing about the Pacers, though, if you're a Pacers fan, you have Halliburton Matt, and Matherin right now that you're saying, man, this is our like foundation. I mean, that city is based around basketball. Yeah, and that's so a I lot of fun. So I think when they have a good team, mm-hmm. I think that's super fun for them. They just keep building on that. You have two young cornerstone guys like that. Let's see about the draft and all that. But no, it's full time for Pacers fans, I think. Yeah, they're playing great, man. They're playing great. All I right. like it. A guy who's playing great. We're going to celebrate some esoteric stuff here. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it might be a little bad. But on November 13th, Joel Embiid had one of the greatest individual performances of all time. 59 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, and 7 blocks. Philly beat Utah 105-98. Embiid played 37 minutes in that game and was plus 25. They won by 7. He was plus 25. So wow. in 11 minutes without him, they were minus 18. Unbelievable game by Embiid. Uh, if you're an MVP race person, that just like gave him a huge boost yeah. in the November polls. So in light of Joel's monster night, I thought, let's look up some of the weirdest, funkiest, coolest, greatest, worst stat lines ever. Let's do and, it. And see what we can find. So who wants to go for it? We all did a little bit of homework. We all came prepared with a, a handful of them. So who wants to go I'll first? I'll go first. All right. Well, let's do it. Okay. So uh, my first one is uh, the only triple-double recorded without the points. Okay. Ooh. So you go 10 and either assist, rebounds, blocks, or steals, three of those? Correct. So this one was uh, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, 10 steals. Any idea? I cheated you know. on this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Peter. I didn't cheat. I told we, we, looked, I, it we looked it up together. Yeah, we looked it up together. John Stockton. Draymond Green. Wow. Four points, 11 rebounds, 10 steals, 10 assists, February 10th, 2017, at Memphis Grizzly. Wow. Yeah. I, I always That's thought cool. that was a really interesting one. I would see really when Kat told me that that was the only one, and I was like, there's no way. There has to be, like, because I would have figured that it's happened 10 times. No. But no, that's the yeah. only that one. That is the only one. It's the Dang. only one ever. Yeah. That's so wild. I would have guessed that 
I kicked it off right. Yeah. Yes. A one of one. I mean, that is that was a, literally a singular performance. I got you know. another one of one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Isaac? I have a Mavericks one. Um, February 25th. Oh, this is around the same time. February 25th, 2017. Oh. Uh, the Mavericks played the New Orleans Pelicans, and they won 96-83. Salah Mezri. The Bej. You're not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> Salah Mezri played six minutes. He had six fouls <laughs> and one turnover. <laughs> My guy had six fouls in and six minutes. And he made him count. He was Good. a minus 32 in the game. <laughs> a minus 32 in, in six, six minutes? minutes? In no, six way. Minutes. No, no way. No way. Uh, he fouled out in six minutes, so I just had to bring up that. Oh, my God. Um, Way to kick it off. Well, I actually yeah, had, so mine is the fastest <laughs> foul out ever. And okay. That was also done by a Mav. Bubba Wells in 1970, <laughs> 1997 against the Bulls fouled out in three minutes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. The Mavs lost by a million. I think it was probably to do some sort of hack a, a, hack a Luke Longley or something. They were playing something. the Bulls, so like, okay. make sure Michael doesn't get the shots. Bubba Wells <laughs> fouled out in three minutes. He had to score in that game. Uh, I don't know. Oh. I can't see the box score right now because basketball reps is still down. <laughs> I was going to say, because I did the stat head of zero points and six fouls for the Mavs. Oh, And wow. he didn't pop up. So, uh, Ooh, okay. So he did score. He, he made his time count. He made his time count. I love it. Uh, my next one is the only 60-point triple-double. A 60-point triple-double? Was yeah. that hard? Dirk. Yeah. <laughs> Dirk. James Harden, January 30, 2018, versus the Magic. 60 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. He shot 63% from the field. Wow. That was, like, peak ISO. But, like, was it ISO? I don't know, because he had 10 assists. So, like, I don't know. 60-point triple. Why didn't they double-team him? I don't know. <laughs> I got a lot of questions. Jeez, man, 60-point triple-double. Uh, I believe that is the only 60-point triple-double ever, ever recorded. That has to be. Right? Yeah. Until well, Luca's going to hit that L at some point. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Luca will get a 70-point triple-double. Um, I like the quirky stuff of, like, how you see a guy's impact on a, on a game. Like the Draymond yeah, thing. Yeah, the Draymond Outside one. of points. So I looked up... Players have played over 30 minutes in a game, but didn't score, and was a plus 10. Or oh, that's or, a, okay, okay. That's a cool or more. One. Only one person has done that one time. Ever. Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace. Yeah, he played 31 minutes in a game in 2009. Played 31 minutes. He was a plus 13 in a game. Uh, didn't score. Uh, would that have been Cavs era Ben Wallace, or was he still with the Pistons? He was in Detroit. Wow. Is this like Malice at the Palace era? No. A little after. Yeah, okay. a little after. They were still they were still near the top of the charts back okay. in those days. Yeah. Wow. Uh rebounds are a thing. Ooh, they are. Two, are they? Two, yeah. Two <laughs> quick rebounding stats. Most rebounds ever in a game against the Mavs, Dennis Rodman. He had thirty. Wow. Yep. Okay. Only player ever with thirty rebounds against the Mavs. Most offensive rebounds ever without a defensive rebound. Oh, I like this. It's <laughs> also a Mavs stat. Popeye Jones. Mavs great. And second on that list is Eric Dampier, who also did Whoa. it with the Mavs. Yeah. Okay. So Dirk just hogging all the defensive rebounds. Yeah, and I guess in the Popeye era, it would have been like AC oh, no. Green or Jamal <laughs> Mashburn or something. Maybe Michael Finley. So there you go. All right. So my next one is, uh, let's see. I have uh, Booker's 70 point. Just He scored 70 points. 
The team still lost. <laughs> they, so. they, they lost by. <laughs> I just a, had a like, dunk on that one real quick. They lost by several points, right? Wasn't that like a? They lost by like twenty-five. I I, I think so. Uh, gotta, gotta look that one up. Oh, March March twenty-fourth, twenty-seventeen. Uh, Boston ended up winning. <laughs> so. He's like. Hey, Boston won one thirty to one twenty. Okay, they lost by ten, but still, I mean, you're gonna drop seventy points, and uh, your team lost. So. Let me let me get those. Parts. Twenty-four free throws <laughs> oh my in that God. game. <laughs> And 21 shots. Sheesh. How about you make 21 shots, but you make more free throws than field goals? <laughs> wow. And you lose by 10. And you lose. Um, I can't talk about stats without talking about Wilt. Um, I am in the, uh, I'm in on the mountaintop of Wilt's all-time stature in the NBA, and uh, I will defend Wilt Chamberlain to the Oh, death. I'm with you. Um, let's just look real quick to the 61-62 season. This is an all-timer. <laughs> all right. This is... An all-time season, 80 games played. My guy aver- averaged 48 and a half minutes a game. But there's only 48 minutes in games, <laughs> Isaac. How is that possible? So this guy, like, played some overtime games, and you averaged 48 and a half minutes a game. He averaged 50 points that season and 25 rebounds. Um, How many assists? Not a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually He's gonna- a center. He's a center. It's fine. I was going to bring up a uh, a game, you know, how great stat it is right now, but this was also the season he scored 100 points in a game. Yeah. But one of the games that Bobby alluded to earlier, he scored 78 points and one assist. One assist? <laughs> he did get one. He got one assist in a game that he scored 78 points. But um, it's just crazy. When you look back at a lot of Wilt's stuff, yeah. I, am in a, I am a firm believer that if Wilt was in today's game, he would absolutely dominate. Um, the, all this physical stuff that Wilt could do back then is just, it would translate to now. And I will, I will fight anybody on that fist fight. Like right now. Wow. Um, I just, E be careful back going. there. Isaac is starting to get, uh, <laughs> I just started to get worked yeah, up. Yeah. I just think Will is, is so good. And I think he gets disrespected by the dumb plumber comments. Okay. <laughs> I want to, I want to tag along or tag on to Wilt here. So Will is one of two players to ever drop a 2020 triple double. <laughs> What was the what was his third twenty an assist? I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it was because they didn't measure blocks or steals. Yeah. That dude had twenty assists yeah. in a game. Yeah, holy. So man. he did it in the nineteen sixty seven sixty eight season. He had a twenty 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 game. Uh, one of two players. The other one is Russ, who dropped twenty points, twenty rebounds, twenty one assists, April second, twenty nineteen. However, in typical Russ fashion. He only shot 34.8%. Oh, wow. <laughs> he was going for the 30 2020, <laughs> but he just, he was aiming for the stars, but he yeah. got the moon. Hey, that's still really, that's no, impressive. No, I mean, that's though. still impressive. 2020. Should have stopped at 20 assists, though. I want to see Luca get a 2020. He, he led the league in assists one season because yeah. he heard all the, the chatter that he doesn't pass. And it, it was that 67, 68 season really? that he went out and he's like, all right, well, I'll just lead the whole league in assists. And he did. Well, that's the best Wilt stat because Wilt has not only the most points in the game without an assist, he had 73 points and zero wow. assists, but he also has the most assists in the game without a field goal attempt. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, so he was like, "Oh, I'm yeah." A he pass. had like 13 <laughs> assists one game for the Lakers and did not take a single shot. So like, <laughs> Will oh. is dominant that, at everything. That was the I I'm, like I'm pissed. So yeah. I'm approve a point. Only center ever to lead the league in assists. Um, my uh, my final stat: the most points ever in a game off the bench. The Mavs were also involved in that one. Jamal Crawford's 51, 51. points. 51. Last game. Last home yep. game. Yeah. 41-21 one game. Jamal Crawford. 
the oldest player ever to score 50, and I also believe the oldest player to ever to score even 40, um, and maybe even 30. Like he like blew all the records out of the water, but also uh, one of I believe only one other player has ever scored 50 off the bench. So Jamal Crawford sits atop the uh, sits atop the throne. Dude, there. I remember that so well because it was like 41-21-1, right? So we're all there. I'm working the broadcast, and then all of a sudden, like he's going for 50, and I'm like. We have to cover, like, we have to talk about this. Dude's like, playing spoiler. Yes, like, you, you cannot, yeah. like, have a broadcast and not acknowledge the fact that someone else is dropping 50 on you, especially Jamal Crawford. And then I love Dirk's speech there because he was like, yeah, you know, whatever. But Jamal, how are you going to show me up and, like, <laughs> drop 50? Like, oh, it was such a, that was really cool. I'm a big Jamal Crawford fan, so that was really cool to see. An all-time great game. Yeah. An all-time great game. My last one is uh, Chris Paul, 20 points, 20 assists, zero turnovers. Oof. I think wow. he, that is the only, uh, the only player to ever record 20 assists with no turnovers. A um, couple dudes have done 20 assists with only one turnover. John Stockton, Tim Hardaway Sr., Johnny Moore, and then I think you said Luca. I thought Luca did it, but maybe he had two maybe. in that game. Yeah. But, yeah, only guy ever, 20 assists, zero turnovers. Wow. The point guard. That's pretty perfect. Yeah. That is perfect. That is about as perfect as perfect gets. And that, that, that's all I'll say about Chris Paul. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac, you got another one? Or are you I don't. Uh, you have one? Yeah, I got one. So, Luca has achieved a stat line. I think he's had a couple stat lines that have never been replicated. But this one is the game I still believe is Luca's best game he's ever played. Against Milwaukee, August 8th, 2020, in the bubble, Luca had 36 points. 19 assists, 14 rebounds. Mavs win in overtime. That has never been done by anybody else. At wow. least 36 points, 19 assists, 14 rebounds. Okay, never real quick. Uh, do you guys ever, like, round or, like, do you believe in, like, round numbers? So, like, if a good stat line is, like, 25 and 5. Or nope. Nope. It's, like, it can be, like, 20, 19, and 14. Have you 30, done 19, it? Yeah. yeah. Has anyone right, done like it? it? Yeah. Yeah. I wish you would have got 35, 20, 15, but we'll have to settle for 36, So you want the round numbers? I, well, I wish. <laughs> I do. It would have been nice. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to dip into a, a little Thanksgiving talk. We might even talk about Cowboys, talk about what we're thankful mm. for, and just generally keep the vibes good. Again, you know, we know the Mavs are going to beat the Nuggets by 40 on Friday and Sunday, so the vibes are good. Yeah. But let's make them even better ahead of Thanksgiving. Coming up next on the Corner 3, 341 Radio, 97.1 The Freak and YouTube. Ah. Uh, Fourth quarter, put them up, hold them up, hold them up. Time to close strong here. Studio 41 Radio. Let's it's go. the corner three. Rounding out our stats segment. Boy, how much fun. We that. had too much fun on that. That was good. That love, was good. <laughs> love talking numbers. Uh, talk nerdy to me, etc. Normally when people <laughs> say that, I don't think they mean it. Talk nerdy to me. I mean it. <laughs> I mean, I mean it. it. Luca... Did one other thing. Shut up! <laughs> Luca did one other thing over a course of time that nobody has done since, and I'm I'm sure that Wilt or Oscar probably did it before in the distant past. But Luca had 30 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists, so a 30, 15, 10 triple double. That's or, a nice round one. Yeah, or more, like 30 plus, 15 plus, 10 plus. Okay, right? okay. So you you reach those thresholds. He did it four times from March to February 2021. As a matter of fact, he did it on March 4th, August 4th, and January 4th. Oh, wow. So five months apart, uh, three times. 
So he did it four times during that time span, and no other player in the league did it even once. So if you like look at the, if you sort it by date, mm-hmm. 30, 15, and ten, it's just the Luca, the Luca, the, block. the Luca stretch. Yeah. Now people mm. have done it since. Luca has done it five times total since March 2020. Nobody else in the NBA has done it more than three times in that time frame. Who else has done it? Giannis did it three times. Okay. Jokic has done it. Okay. Russ did it. So like just the okay, the the top of the the top of the pops <laughs> did it. Uh, are, we, are we back in the twenties? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> this Slovenian guy <laughs> playing basketball. <laughs> he keeps taking the long shots. Get get close to the basket. This is going off the rails. Yeah, so anyway, uh, the 30-15-10, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. That's no. We can just call that line the Luca because he, he sort of monopolized it. I like it. That's yeah, good. That's a good one. 30-15-10 uh, is also the number of plates of food that I'm going to eat this <laughs> week. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice 30 sides, 15 proteins, and 10 desserts. I don't know. How, how do you want to uh, divvy it up here? Yeah. Because it's Thanksgiving. Now, the Mavs next week, I'm looking at the calendar right now. No game on Monday. No game on Tuesday, no game on Thursday, no game on Friday. And they do play Wednesday at Boston. That's going to be very tough. Yeah. But that's almost, Katya, a whole week off. Quick fist bump. Let's go. <laughs> that's Let's almost go. a whole week off. Now, Isaac, I don't know how, how it happens in your world, but I do know you got kids. So what is, what is Thanksgiving week like whenever you have kids? We're going to be enjoying our time off. Are you going to be able to kick back your feet, or are you uh, in dad mode, or what's going on? Oh, dad mode for sure. Uh, podcast goes on. Really? <laughs> oh, are you yeah. doing one on Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving? Um, we're supposed to, I think. I might skip it, but don't tell anyone. Wow. <laughs> Nick? Well, yeah. I hope Nick's, Nick's on vacation next week, so it's just me. Uh, so we'll see what happens. David Locke is going to come down <laughs> <David>. like a <laughs> hammer right on your head, dude. But no, it's good. You know, Thanksgiving's unique. Um, you know, my wife's from Brazil, so like she obviously didn't grow up with yeah. Thanksgiving. So uh, she almost just had to like adopt it for, you know, when we got married uh, nine years ago. So, um, but it's fun. We have family coming in. Well, question for you. Do you eat any other meat outside of turkey on Thanksgiving? What's it? We're a ham fam. Okay. So I want to transition to ham this year. We are. But I'm like, am I in the minority if we prefer ham over turkey? I don't. I'm a lifelong ham guy. I I hardly ever eat pork. So, like, if it's there, I don't eat it. Like, I think I eat, like, bacon, like, maybe, like, three times a year. So do you see, like, salad on Thanksgiving? No, I I mean, I eat turkey. um, They've done... um, brisket mm. where oh, i'm okay. at yeah uh us like mexicans we, we love red meat so <laughs> <laughs> so it's always incorporated but you like you said uh barb yeah never really celebrated it's so interesting because i was thinking about this and i'm like my family in mexico celebrates thanksgiving mm. yeah like maybe we're just like a very like americanized yeah maybe family but like we always did thanksgiving or they still do thanksgiving they still there. celebrate it? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, I think... Do you guys I, go down there or do you stay up here for that? No, we normally stay up here because my dad works for the Cowboys, so he always has the game. Mm, yeah. And then, um, I mean, my, mo- my mom passed away a couple years ago, but we would always go to her friend's house because it's a lot of, like, uh, transplants that are all here, and so it's just, like, a bunch of, like, families from Mexico that don't have like it gets pretty rowdy family. Too, oh right? it's so fun <laughs> like think like 50 plus people just in one house oh this is where we need to go oh <laughs> dude yeah i, I we're uh, elton and i are going this year so it should be it should be a good time you should encourage each of them to subscribe to the maps youtube channel i absolutely will it'll <laughs> be 50 so more followers yeah you you mentioned cowboys it 
Is this like a Dallas thing that like you go to the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving? I'm going this year. Ooh, this fancy, is my first fancy. time ever going. First time. Yeah. So I, I got a bash on 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 Alton real quick. He's a Giants fan. Um, so they're playing oh, no. the Giants. So we're going. Oh, no. I'm just gonna wear neutral colors. Neutral Are you a colors? Cowboys yeah. fan? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Like. I've given up on them. <laughs> I gave like up on if, them a while If the ago. cows are on TV, are you like, do you find yourself rooting for them? I think by proxy, I've been subjected to having to watch Giants games now. So I'm like, oh, Saquon, he's, he's all right. Mm. You know, whatever. Are uh, you, like, are you bullish on Wandale Robinson's long-term potential? Because in two Dynasty Leagues that I'm in, <laughs> someone has traded a second-round pick for him. Wow. Yeah. Big believer. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just here for a good game. Okay. Like I don't have a football team. I'm I'm just here for vibes. Mm. Give me a good matchup. See, Thanksgiving for my family for for the sports ball. My family's from Detroit. Uh, well, they're from all over the world, but my parents are from Detroit. Yeah. And so the Detroit game is always something that we end up watching. Does and Detroit y- play every year? Every on yep. They always get oh, the cool. it's like eleven or eleven thirty kickoff, and then the Cowboys get the three thirty yeah. or whatever game. Um, the Lions almost always lose. And then the Cowboys usually like 50-50 on yeah. Thanksgiving. Uh, and so it's just a day long of uh, kind of commiserating sort of, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's cool. But I'm not really a Cowboys fan. My family, obviously, are big Cowboys fans. Are they? Yeah. But you said y- y- that you are going to the Cowboys game for the first time this year on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I went once. Okay. Way back in 2004. Is that Texas Texas Stadium, Stadium era. Oh, man. Yep. That... I used to go to Cowboys games back then. That was the time. Yeah, Texas Stadium era. Now, uh, this game, Uh, the Cowboys heading into it were three and seven, and the Bears were four and six. Okay, this game was on Thanksgiving, and on my mom's birthday. Shout out Cheryl. And yet, Jim and I still went to the game. (laughs) Oh no, without Cheryl. (laughs) No Cheryl at the game. Cheryl, you stay home. Yeah. Thanksgiving. The, the boys it's are going to go birthday. have wow. some fun. <laughs> yeah, I think we ended up, I think like maybe someone in my family had an extra pair of tickets or something. I don't know how we ended up going, but like I can understand <laughs> why tension existed <laughs> for a little while, but be- maybe before and after that. Jokes I was going to make, but. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, that game, the Cowboys won 21 to 7. And I, I, sadly, I don't think that was the game that Creed performed at halftime. I wish it was. <laughs> it is there always it a good been. performance, or like well, a, yeah. is there always a big uh, performer? Yeah, 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 relative. Yeah. Relative. Um, I remember. I think Nickelback performed at the Lions game, and they like signed petitions to try and get them out of it. Or whatever. was that as a as like was that ironic? So I think that Nickelback. This is my bold opinion here. Oh boy, Nickelback is the most overhated band of all time for like no reason. Everybody hates them for what? They're just a, they're fine. Whatever. Who cares? If you don't like them, move on. But they just become like the, just like how every basketball fan now like giggles whenever Russ touches the ball or yeah. when Ben Simmons touches the ball. Yeah. They've just become like the thing. It's yeah. like yeah. so cool to hate them that it's like now they're like almost underrated. Yeah, in my opinion. Okay. So, so anyway, shout out uh, Nickelback. <laughs> uh, I, w- I watched a, a Vine thread last night, and I always chuckle at the one where it's from Photograph. It is just, look at this graph. <laughs> <laughs> Great Vine. So anyway, uh, that game, 21-7, <laughs> to seven, it was a quarterback duel. Is this like Jay Cutler? No. <laughs> you the will, Cutlet! You will never be able to guess 
Both teams played two quarterbacks, by the way. Grossman? You will never be able to guess the two players that were the quarterback for the Bears in that game. Rex Grossman. No. I have no idea. Well, Craig Krenzel went 5 of 10 for 46 yards. And then Jonathan Quinn came in off the bench in relief. Went 10 of 21 for 86 yards and two interceptions. Is he related to Brady? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It's That's possible. odds. I mean, yeah. Okay. It's possible. Um, the leading rusher for the Bears that game, Thomas Jones, 14 carries, 46 yards. He was also their leading receiver. He had 48 yards receiving. So Exciting game you went to. <laughs> yeah. For the Cowboys, Vinny Testaverde started at quarterback, 9 of 14 for 92 yards. He had a touchdown and threw an interception. Okay. Drew Henson came in, played as well, 4 of 12 for 31 yards. Now, Julius Jones did have 33 carries for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Um, the Cowboys' leading receiver, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, six catches for 58 yards. No one else had more than 22 yards receiving. Out of all those names, I only know Keyshawn Johnson. Good player. Yeah. You know, you don't remember Julius Jones? No. Oh, bet you didn't. Uh, think in 2004, <laughs> let's just say football was not at the top of my like to-do list. <laughs> what was? Not football. Not sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tekken, yeah. <laughs> you just run in the local arcade <laughs> on yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Doesn't I, matter. I've actually been to a Cowboys Thanksgiving game. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. A few years ago, somebody gave us tickets. This is before we had kids, and we're not even Cowboys fans. Huge Ravens fan here. And we're like, we don't have nothing else to do. We don't have any family Let's here. Go. Might as well. And we went. And it was Panthers and Cowboys. Was that Cam Newton era yep. then? Yep. And it was like, cool. We went and paid a lot of money for parking. So I always get the parking. Never been back. Was <laughs> it a good game? I don't remember. Panthers, Cowboys, <laughs> Thanksgiving. Do you remember when that was? It was on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, November twenty, uh, November 26, 2015. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah. Wow, seven years ago. Well, the Panthers won 33-14. to 14. There you so go. So it went Panthers. well for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, it went really well for them. The Panthers improved to 11 and 0. The Cowboys fell to 3 and 8. So not exactly a a watershed moment. A Can high I, a high water. What do you call it? A high a hmm. high water moment? I don't know what that one is. I don't know what that means. Um, I'll need to look it up later. Uh, can I tell a Mavs Thanksgiving story? Yeah. With me and Rick Carlo? Yes. <laughs> yes. I would love to hear that. <laughs> so uh it was 2000 I think 16. And uh, Nico Bersino was on the team. That comes in hand later on. And uh, so we're, we used to do the pregame uh, or, yeah, pregame media that morning after shoot-around in front of the locker room. And uh, obviously I didn't know Rick at all back then. Um, you know, we're not Snapchat buddies right now either. But You're not? <laughs> we don't you play are? chess together. I mean. Wow. Um, so I'm in the, like, media scrum. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right. You know, he's kind of an uptight guy. I'm going to try to be nice, try to, like, break the barrier here. I'm going to ask him a non-basketball question. Just that he might appreciate it. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Mistake number one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Assuming um, he is a human. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> yeah, I did not. Uh, yeah. Misread the situation. Mis <laughs> misread him. Well, the Mavs, to be fair, had lost 30 games in a row <laughs> heading into that night. So he was a little stressed out. Um, So I just casually said, Hey Rick, you know, do you have any plans for Thanksgiving? Simple lab question. He didn't want to answer. It's like, yeah, you know, I have some family, whatever. That's it. He he didn't. He could have said that, but no, he didn't. He just kind of sat there and he looked at me and he just pointed at me in front of everybody and said, "Who is this guy?" 
<laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. And he's like, I'm trying to worry about winning basketball games, not what I'm doing on Thanksgiving. Uh! Flex. Like, yes, thanks for flexing on me, Rick. Um, <laughs> and I just wilted. I didn't do anything. It was the first time Rick had, you know, called me out on anything. And I remember it was that not the last. It was not the last. No. And I remember us, you know, that him going to the locker room after whatever, and this other reporter came over to me, and he's like, "Well, welcome. <laughs> you, <laughs> you've made it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. basically like that was this, your this is part of it. Yeah. You know, this, you've you've kind of made it here." And uh, Rick, yeah. now the salt in the wound of it was a few days later. <laughs> it's like Brad Townsend or somebody writes this story on how Rick invites Nico Brasino, who's from Argentina and stuff. Over to his house mm, to like mm, eat mm. Thanksgiving dinner for his family. There's mm, like an mm, actual mm. story behind him. Like, you <laughs> jerk. You could have told me this. Like, you like You are so you, heated you today. You actually had plans, but yet you just wanted to embarrass me. And you um, flex on you, what bro? if he didn't have plans, but your line of questioning sort of like gave him the inception of like, I should actually I should do be a something. Human. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. I shouldn't worry about winning <laughs> basketball games. We should we should worry about you know, giving thanks for all the things that we're thankful for, like Nico Brasino, for example. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was just one of my great moments with Rick. Touch so is that your first thing that you're thankful for in Mavs land, just being like... <laughs> that Rick's gone? <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, all right. No. Sorry. No. We celebrate all the former players, all the former coaches of this great organization. Yeah. Check Everyone's the names on the floor. Check the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can step on a few. So... I am Good thankful. Lord, man. <laughs> Nick is on one. You are not welcome back next week. <laughs> Nick, what are you just, doing next week? <laughs> yeah. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> just kidding. Floor looks awesome. <laughs> I am thankful. I know we touched on this last week, but I am thankful for this new City Edition gear that you can pick up in the Mavs. Ooh, that is hanger. nice. Bam. Uh, I have a beanie on today if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on the radio, I'm sorry. Go check it out. Uh, it's just all awesome stuff, man. I could just get more and more and it's just the best city edition stuff we've had so i am thankful for good looking jerseys really all four of the jerseys this year i'm i really like the they are, ones are nice. great our classic icon associate association ones are awesome yeah i like them i'm just thankful for the organization just in general like uh ever since i started working here officially it's just been it's been good vibes you know i've had a good time so what if you brought the vibes I mean, I'm still thankful for them. <laughs> I'm thankful that Twitter is on its last leg. <laughs> oh, wow. Because the Mavs schedule is about to get a whole lot tougher, and oh, I do oh, not want to be online. for. They <laughs> ask, they, they tell you. Lose. Yeah, they're always like, Bobby, fix the team. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you trade for this? Why don't you do this? Like, I am just a dude on the internet. I <laughs> am no closer to helping resolve these issues than you are. Yeah. Um, and most of the time, you disagree with my opinion anyway. So, so R.I.P. Bozo. Twitter. I mean, not the not the people I'm arguing with. All of you are lovely. All right, Katya. Okay. It's time uh, for in the bonus, the closing uh, closing thoughts, parting thoughts from one of the three of us this week. It's your turn. I always get so nervous doing these. Uh, I don't know. I don't like being. I don't like being like. Yeah. 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 yeah on the spot <laughs> like this. Look okay. right at you. All right. So I'm gonna talk about my love for reading. I feel like I feel like we're all kind of nerdy here. So embrace it. Love it. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So when I was a kid, there was nothing more exciting than the book fair at our school. I remember being so excited to get new books, browse around, reading descriptions on the back of covers, and carefully choosing 
my next new book to get lost in and the next adventure. And then high school and college happen, you get focused on other things, hanging out with friends, going out, and books were slowly traded for phone screens, social media, and other interests. Then 2020 happened, the pandemic happened, and it forced all of us to slow down and spend more time at home. So I remember the first couple days of lockdown, I was mindlessly scrolling on social media and I quickly realized that it was not adding anything beneficial to my life. It was actually kind of making me feel worse about myself. So that's one, when I decided to delete my Instagram. And then two, um, whenever I have bad days like that, my boyfriend always tells me that when I'm going through a tough time, I should do something that makes my inner child happy. So I started thinking- Play Pokemon. I mean, that could be one for sure. Okay. Uh, for me, it was um, buy a Kindle, get a library card, and get back into reading. So um, this was honestly the beginning of a lifestyle change for me. In 2020, I read 37 books. Uh, sometimes I would read a whole book in a day or two. It was a perfect way to escape during a super stressful time that I know was stressful for everyone. Um, even now, instead of scrolling on Twitter, or I recently got on TikTok, if I catch myself scrolling too much, I put the phone down, I pick up the Kindle, I read. Uh, when I was traveling with the team, I frequently uh, would go to dinners by myself. I would bring the Kindle, bring a book, because I'm also quite the foodie, so that to me was like the perfect escape. It was like heaven to me, just good food, a good book. Even here in Dallas, um, you could find me at a restaurant, like posted up like at a bar by myself, you know, just reading and eating, eating dinner. Um, according to a recent study, six minutes of sustained reading a day can reduce a person's stress level by 68%, thereby helping individuals to clear their minds and minimize bodily tension. So researchers at uh, Mind Lab International from the University of Sussex calculated the stress levels and heart rates of test subjects before observing their responses to various activities. Reading a book lowered stress levels better than all other activities tested, including listening to music, which was 61%, having a cup of tea or coffee, which was 54%, and taking a walk, 42%. So books have also just helped me just in life in general. Um, they've helped me picture situations outside of my own experiences. They have widened my world views on things. They have put me in situations outside of my comfort zone. And then I think of how I would react if I were, you know, if that were me, if I were that character. So in turn, I, I believe it's made me a lot more open-minded. And they also make me feel less alone, not in the sense of like I'm alone here in this world, but just like in the experiences that I'm going through. There's nothing quite like being able to relate to a character you feel like you found a kindred soul or a friend to help you through a tough time. And you think like if these characters can get through it, so can I. So uh, I'll leave you with these words. A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. George R.R. R. Martin. Mm. That was great. Really good. Thanks. That was great. George one of my legend. favorite memories from uh, on the road era was whenever you and me and Chopper were wandering around Boston. We, oh, found, we found that little indie bookstore. That was, it was great. Dude, indie bookstore. Now, bookstores in general are cool, but indie bookstores feel extra magical. Yeah. They just feel... It's just something really special about... Yeah, like, it's the smell. It's the... Everything is yeah. so muted and quiet. There's, there's like 5,000 books that you can just look at. You choose five, and you're set for a month. Yeah. You know? I, went, I went to uh, Chattanooga for my cousin's wedding, and I wandered into their little downtown. They had the cutest bookstore, and it's like, I could just get lost in bookstores. It's mm. just 
nostalgia and like just good vibes like all around. Mm. Yeah. yeah, books are so great. Do you, do you read a lot, Isaac? I, yeah. you don't, I mean, with kids and with podcasts, with everything, do you even have the time to do it? The time has went down, but I do love it. Just picked up The Silmarillion again. Ooh, nice. Uh, Rings nice. of Power got me at, and back. Talk about getting lost. <laughs> yeah, Holy you cow. get lost in that, but I love reading. There's just It brings such a comfort. It's a good thing to do at night. And yeah, yeah, bookstores, Barnes and Noble, please, oh, please best. never go out of business. Ever, please. <laughs> need you. It is the best. Physical books, Kindle, reading on your laptop, it doesn't matter. Just read. Read, yeah. read, read. Yeah. Read the news, read books, read everything. Just read. All of it. Fiction, nonfiction, uh, just all Ma- of it. Mavs.com. Mavs.com. <laughs> Tip off. Game Time <laughs> yeah, Magazine. Good go. stuff, Katya. Good stuff, Isaac. This was fun. It's a great show. In and on a high. Go read a book. Go read an article. Go do something. Expand your mind. Broaden your horizons. Play some chess. And we will see you <laughs> next week on the Corner 3, Studio 41 Radio, 97.1 The Freak Maps YouTube. See ya.